Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I know Emily knows, but I don't know if our listeners know that if I'm going to do a hobby, it needs to be one that I can sit on my butt on the couch and do. <laughs> and for those of you unaware, I did some needlework over the break. And for those of you unfamiliar, it's very therapeutic because you end up just stabbing felt with a needle over and over and over again. But I was really stressing because I had been working on two snowmen that were going to be. I had decided they were going to be ornaments, but we had finished putting away all the Christmas decorations. And I was like, I know if I don't finish these right now, they will literally never be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've got to go in the box, in the attic for next year. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I whipped them back out. The only reason I had put them away is because my dogs had kept like nosing the wool because it's wool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was... A decapitation. <gasps> oh no. And I started like borderline, like I was gonna go into a panic attack. I didn't quite get there, but I was just so upset. So it was like so many hours have been oh, put into no. making this little tiny thing that means nothing, but like so much time. And then the dogs was just like rah. <laughs> yeah, they just ripped it in half. Oh, no. And so I managed to put it back together. It definitely is not as good the second time as it was the first time because I was like not no man. willing to uh, put so much energy into it. But now I have a follow-up rule to my new hobby rule. So my hobby rule was that I need to sit on my butt, but it needs to not contain animal fibers that my dogs think they yeah. should attack so yeah. i don't know how like i feel like that you rules could, out you crocheting could and knitting. The finger knitting like i've been doing it's been pretty fun i'd have to use synthetic fibers <laughs> if it's wool it smells like an animal it's not wool i don't know what it is but it's definitely not wool that i use because i'm allergic so okay all right well 
Finger knitting may be on the list of possibilities, but I finished that one blanket over break and I'm about three quarters of the way through my checkered one. Your checkered one is so cute. Not that the other one wasn't cute, but like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The checkered one is so cute. And then I got, I have one more color. It's a solid, like kind of like a dusty blue, like a gray blue kind of that I'm going to do a solid color. But I saw this really cool tutorial where like each kind of larger square is a different pattern, like a different texture pattern. And so it's just like doing the loops in a different way. So it creates like a braided look. And then there's like knots on this one. And then there's like a different loop over here. But I'm making myself finish the black and white checkered one first because I'm notorious for like half starting projects. And so I have the bluish yarn up in my office completely separate. But I'm like, I only so my projects I do some of them I just like kind of sit on my butt and do. But we also haven't like started a new show lately. And I typically do that when we're like starting a new show. So we'll see. We finished seasons one and two of White Lotus over break. Have you watched White Lotus? Jared's been into it, but he started watching it without me. And I'm one of those. I can't jump in the middle of a series. Like I just can't. Oh, speaking of shows. Okay. (laughs) So my mom was over the other night and Brian was out. And so we were just going to do like, a movie night, chill, hang in, whatever. There's a show on Netflix. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a steamier Bridgerton basically. And I've heard really great like reviews about it. It's like an hour and a half movie. It's not an episode. It's a movie, I guess. And we're going to sit down and watch it. It's going to be great. So we have like this whole plan. We like get dinner where we do, you know, bedtime with Penny and then we're going to sit down and I open up Netflix And of course, there's a trailer that starts playing for a different show. And we're both like enthralled in this trailer. And it's called The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. It's a true story about this hitchhiker who has a hatchet. And he like saves this woman by attacking this guy with this hatchet. And he goes viral. And this was like recent, like 20 maybe 2013. So like recent enough, like went viral, absolutely viral memes, videos. He was on the Jimmy Kimmel show. The producer of the Kardashians was trying to get him to the studio to pitch a show. Like he was like, this went from literally nothing to exponentially viral. I've never heard this story ever in my life. And then within three months, of, and this is all in the trailer. So like, it's not a spoiler, but it's still worth watching to see how this unfolds. Within three months, he's being arrested for murder of someone else. I have so many follow-up questions, but I just don't know if I want to open this can of worms this morning. It is wild. And so we sit there and we're like watching this trailer. And I was like, are we watching this instead? And she's like, yes. And so we sit down to watch this. And I just thought it was so funny how we were like fully set in on watching this like period piece, basically, (laughs) and went from that to hatchet-wielding hitchhiker. So if you haven't watched that, it's a documentary on Netflix. It's about an hour and a half. It's well worth your time because it's just wild. And it talks about like the media's impact on stories and people and mental health. And, you know, was he a victim? Was he not a victim? Like there's this whole, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. 
Okay, so this is just an aside, but like something that does make me a bit concerned for humanity is I have noticed as of late that because of the way social media has been working, that when these wild news stories come out, instead of thinking, oh God, like who's the next victim? People are literally like, when is this going to be a Netflix documentary? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah. these are real people's lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wild. And this one, the underlying like conversation that I just don't think gets talked about enough is just like how quickly, and this isn't, I believe it was in 2013. I'm going to confirm that, but it, it's not like 2020, like it's still hatchet wielding hitchhiker when, yeah, 2013. So TikTok wasn't around yet. Like that time and space didn't exist. And yet overnight from the news, this gentleman becomes literally viral and famous and like could have like all of these things could have happened for him and changed his life. But the conversation at the end was like, oh, like did the media, did the news, did journalism kind of push this man who like clearly needed resources into this container that he didn't want to be in, didn't need to be in. And is that the cause of the ultimate murder that eventually happened? And like this virility of these literal human beings that we know nothing about, we don't know how that actually impacts their life and their mental health. And there's this TikToker I follow that does every video they do is a specifically TikToker that has gone bad And like, it's all a video about like, here's their content. Here's how many followers they had. Here's what they kind of posted. Here's where they got popular or here's where like no one really knew about them. But also then they were arrested for this crime. Yeah, I wouldn't be, not that they're all going to turn into criminals, but I would imagine there's a lot of mental health at play for all of them. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. It's but it's just like, like, and, and like, it's wild to me that like, we have these people in our screens that we know nothing about. And if they become popular or not, like you feel connected to them in these wild ways. And I think it takes the, you know, that feeling that you get when you, you know, know someone via social and they get a divorce or something happens, like their parent dies or a child gets sick and you feel so deeply connected to that person or you feel really surprised when something happens. And those emotions are real because you feel like you know this person. Well, just like imagine then that person like committing a crime and like it being a very, very huge deal. That's wild to me. I don't know. I, I psychology it, it, of it is it wild. Is, no, no, no. It is wild. And I also, because I love and care about people and I worry about mental health, I genuinely am concerned for the people whose lives are completely turned upside down. While the virility of our business has never been at the like massiveness of some right. of these people, the microscope I felt like I've been under with what, 2% of the same thing happening? I just can only imagine how easy it would be to just completely lose yourself in it. So it's wild. It's wild. I feel like there's going to be if there aren't already college courses on the psychology of going viral and what it does to you and like the impact and like, and then losing it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) There's so many people I've even thinking about the people who just like quit and like, fell into the night and people yeah. still talk about them. Like Jenna Marbles is an example of like yeah. 
what is Jenna Marbles doing? Yeah. Yeah. I remember there's a blogger. Her name is Dana. I can't remember her last name, but she was a blogger for a website called House Tweaking. And her Instagram and website still exists. But I, re- I remember very clearly, again, this was pre-COVID, pre-TikTok, pre-all of that, where she was very consistent blogger, just announced her collaboration with Ikea as like an Ikea partner, and then like posted in like December of some year, and then just did not post for a whole year, like just went completely radio silent. But she had enough of a following and enough people knew her. And she had spoken at like blogger conferences and like she was pretty well known in that area. And there were other people who I knew knew her who would post like on their own social being like, hey, like you guys keep asking me if Dana's okay, but like I'm not going to explain to you like what she's going through or what's going on. Just know that like she is okay, but like I'm respecting her decision to like stay private or whatever. So it was this really weird, like people kept like going to other sources to try to find information about her. And so like, finally, I think a year or so later, she made a post on Instagram that was just like, Hey, like I'm still here. I just like got so burnt out and I decided to quit. And she was a pharmacist full time who quit to do her blog and went back to pharmacy And just like, I think she's posted maybe five times in the last like four or five years. And it's just wild, like wild to me how it's just like everything and then nothing. And even that audience was like, wait, what? Oh, I I could literally do a whole episode on this. It's crazy. It's going to have a name at some point. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. ghosting because it's like your own self. Yeah, it's your own self, but you also like who decides how much yeah like how much you're allowed into somebody else's life i don't know but i will say my mental health has improved dramatically by reducing significantly the amount yes yes intel people have well and i read an article and this kind of goes into what we're talking about today but i read an article recently about i think it was actually a reel and then i did some more digging on it they called it something like low dopamine mornings. And okay. So we're like, when you have ADHD, which hi, hello, it's me, the, your brain chases dopamine all throughout the day. And there's dopamine in all the things there's dopamine in working out in scrolling your phone in getting like small wins rewarded in your brain of positive things that are happening. Well, the concept of like a slow dopamine morning, or she called it a low dopamine, which isn't necessarily true. It's just a healthier dopamine version. And so I have never been someone, and I've talked about this on the show, I am not negatively impacted by scrolling social media in the morning, on my phone, at night before I go to bed. I've never been one of those people that's like hard and fast boundaries of like phone is in a separate room kind of thing. I don't really need those boundaries. But what I was noticing is that like, okay, if my brain doesn't function in the same way that other people's does in the sense of making dopamine, if I'm scrolling Instagram, checking my email, whatever, first thing in the morning, that level of dopamine is now the baseline, is now the level of dopamine that my brain is going to be searching throughout the day. And so if I at least start with lower increments of dopamine and healthier versions of dopamine, drinking a glass of water, having a cup of coffee in like my nice chair and like 
starting the fireplace and the candle and like doing the things that like really start my morning off in a really cool vibe, which gives me dopamine, then I'm not starting off like the chart really, really high and then trying to chase that high for the rest of the day. And so what I've been trying to do is not scroll my phone for the first full hour of being awake. And I mean, so far I like it. (laughs) I would have a hard time. It's hard. And I think there's a whole science to the habits behind it, but yeah, I definitely could rework my morning with less. Working out in the morning definitely helps because that's like a whole hour and a half right there of like getting ready and then going to the studio and then working out. So like as soon as I'm done working out, I can scroll my phone if I want, but I've yet to scroll. It's 10 o'clock this morning. I've yet to scroll my phone. I don't, I think I checked email, but I didn't like scroll, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. It's wild, but that's the kind of like small kind of resets I can do in the sense of like trying to to be healthier, be more mindful. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about today, a little bit in the sense of resolutions and goals and habits, but historically they've all never worked for me. I've never been able to maintain them. And then I beat myself up for not maintaining them. And so I've kind of tackled habits this year in a, in a new to me way. It's not brand new. And I love it. I've like kind of gamified habits and it's been really fun for me. All right. Well, let's jump into it. I have a lot to say in terms of having all of this give you a better lens for how to move forward like knowing what your values are and how your goals align with your mission and all of that. But let's start with it being a new year and being less focused on, in my opinion, less focused on New Year's resolutions and more on, for me, it feels like a fresh start. And so how do we want to utilize a fresh start? And what does that mean for us? Well, I mean, I feel like everyone else I've learned many years ago that New Year's resolutions don't work for me because in my brain, I feel like I have to commit to them 365 days. And that is not a thing for me. I can't even commit to something where it's like, I'm going to do this thing this many times throughout the year or every month. Like if the goal is like that, as soon as I fail, as soon as I miss a day, then the whole year is ruined and I can't pick it back up. And so I can't tell you the last New Year's resolution I set. What I do like to do, and we've done this for our business, both for our business and personal. So I have kind of two this year is we've picked words of the year and we've like picked them in the sense of like, what's the vibe? What's the energy? What's the feel that we want to have this year? And I feel like I've used this word before, but it's still one of my favorites. And so I did want to intentionally go into 2023 with ease, but I also added romanticizing with that meaning more for not just work, but for life and my relationships. And I'm sure you guys have seen the articles or the videos about like romanticizing your everyday moments. And it just like, is this like different layer of like bringing happiness to really small things, like having a really cute cup of coffee or sitting in a nice chair and having the candle light, the nice candles, like all of those things that are just like making your life a little bit more romantic, I guess. But I'm also trying to do it within like dates and awareness and putting our phones away at dinner and like going ahead and getting out the nice plates and sitting at the dining room table and like just doing things like that throughout the year. Oh yeah. There's really no point in like 
saving things for special occasions when today is the special occasion like the fact that yeah just like move through it and do what you want to do and so you know I've thought a lot about well you know gatherings have been more family and less of this like public ordeal and so I don't care if it's my sister my mom coming over like let's use nice plates and like let's put things on platters or instead of, you know, having it come out of the equivalent of Tupperware, you know what I mean? Like I want everything to be aesthetic and I get so much joy out of it being that way more so than I even realized. And so my goal in alignment with that is I want everything in my life to, if it's purposeful, I don't want it to just be useful. I also want it to be beautiful. And so little things like utensils, like when you're cooking that are nicer or the color that you like, instead of just getting whatever the cheapest version at Walmart was like, and it's going to take time to slowly replace those things, but it's surprising how much little stuff like that makes such a big difference to me. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Another thing that I've been trying, and none of this is new, but, and I think we've talked about this before, this kind of setting the tone for your day. Okay, so like, especially when you deal with ADHD, when my brain is literally never quiet. We talk about like, some people have an inner monologue and some people don't, but mine isn't just the inner monologue because I have that, but it's like the thoughts and assumptions that also go along with the inner monologue. And then, so like, literally to give you a peek into my brain, as soon as I'm conscious and I open my eyes, my brain is immediately going into like, I should have already gotten up and and I already feel behind because if I had gotten up earlier, I could have done this. And now that I haven't done that, then that means I'm behind on this. And then I need to check my calendar, which means I, do I need to get ready? Do I not need to get ready? But if I don't get ready, then that means that later today that I couldn't do, like everything is connected to the other thought. And it's that time's 100 as soon as I wake up. And that is my brain every single second of every day, assigning meaning to every single thought, every single thing on my to-do list. And so to help that, because I can't make that go away. That's literally just how my brain works. And so instead of trying to quiet that, then what I'm going to do instead is at least be intentional with the way that I'm thinking about the things that I'm already going to be thinking about. So instead of like, oh my gosh, I have such a busy day today and I'm already overwhelmed. Well, then my brain is going to look for signs of, to prove that I'm overwhelmed and that I am busy and that I am tired from waking up. And I'm like, I'm already exhausted today. Today's going to like drag and do whatever. That's literally what's going to happen because your brain is going to look for clues to reinforce that. And so quite like all I'm trying to do right now is get myself to neutral of just, it doesn't even have to be overly positive. Like I'm so energized and creative and I'm going to like do great things today. Like I'm not there yet or if I'll ever be, but it's trying to get my brain to just neutral base of like, here's what I have on my day. And I'm so lucky to be able to get to do these things. They call it lucky girl syndrome. And so instead of being like, I'm overwhelmed and stressed and tired, it's I'm so lucky to get to do these things. And I'm lucky to, to like wake up this morning and start my day now. And I'm lucky to get to enjoy this cup of coffee in this quiet time right here. And so it's just like literally reframing the thoughts that are already in my head. <laughs> yeah. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? 
I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I think that's such an important piece of how you can really start with a not just a positive intent but like really change the course of your day. I also have seen similar things be really helpful in relationships and so I think it's important that as you're trying to nap regardless of who these people are, I don't care if it's a coworker, a spouse, a kid, anything. But it's really easy to jump on the train of all the things you want to change about the relationship or change about how they react to certain things or insert 
every other option that in some ways gives you those like icky feelings. And if I can give any advice here, I think it's so much of it comes down to if you look for the positive, you can also reinforce the positive and have it happen more often, even with those around you. And so little things of like, when you're recapping your day, pointing out the positive bits rather than immediately complaining about something. That well, happened. did you see this video? I think this is where you might've seen this, where a couple decided intentionally to start to have more positive conversations when they came home from work. So they both worked jobs outside the home. They realized that they were coming home and just dumping all of the shit that their day was. So instead they started talking about the positives. Well, then how they transitioned that was take one picture of your favorite part of your day, the best highlight of your day. And so what she said is that they realize is that when they're like, oh, I'm going to take a picture, but I only have one picture. Is this the best part of my day? Or is there going to be another really great part of my day that I want to capture? Is this right? The person I'm talking to right now, the best conversation I'm going to have all day. So instead of literally like looking for the shit things so that you can come home and unload all of it, it's what is the absolute best, coolest thing that's going to happen today? And then your brain starts to actively seek out more of those throughout the day to where they eventually started sharing like what, four or five photos each. Yeah. And I think that's such an easy thing. I know for me, when this started, this was eons ago at this point, but my husband was working a really stressful job and, you know, he didn't have a safe place to vent at work. Like, it was just not an option. And so I didn't want to completely remove him having the ability to talk about the icky shit because it was at the point where like, it was dramatically affecting his mental health and things. And so we just set ground rules about, okay, you can bitch about it 15 minutes of your drive home. But like when you walk in the door, like we're going to change what we're talking about and focus on positive things. And that was a really easy kind of filter of like, okay, if we're on the phone and he's on the way home, like then we can kind of talk through the ick. And then when we're actually together and see each other, it can really have this positive light. And that was an easy way to kind of start that initially. But I think people presume that this isn't going to work for them. But I'll just give you an example of how it's just so true. It could be literally anything. And you guys will find you'll be like, Oh, well, it happened here. But it's going to happen in this too. It could be like, you know, you haven't been thinking about getting a new car for eons, but then you decide you're going to maybe get this one kind of maker model. And then all of a sudden you see it everywhere around town. It like wakes up your consciousness to it. The same thing happened to me grocery shopping. I decided I wanted to make this very particular meal. It was going to be nostalgic. I also shop at Aldi, which is a very limited, like they don't have a lot of extra things. And so for me to say, I want to have this very particular meal. And then I ran into like four options to fulfill on this very particular meal at Aldi. I was like, what? Well, and that's the whole psychology <laughs> conversation behind like, is it really luck that like aids us in our lives and our day? Yeah. And like, or is it consciousness? Or is it just being aware of the opportunities around you because you're open to them? One last example, kind of along the same lines, I shared it in a client call of ours, but it's the concept of this is a teacher who did this with their students, but I think you could do this with your kiddos, with your partner, with yourself, with your team. But you ask them on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your day? 10 being it was the absolute best day of my life. 
One being it was a shit day. And so the person gives their response. Maybe they say it was a six. So instead of saying, oh, what could have made it a 10? Instead of focusing on the gap, you say, oh my gosh, what made it a six? And so then that person is now looking back retroactively at the things that made it such a positive number or made it whatever number it is that they gave, what made it not be a zero basically. And so then you're highlighting the things that were on the positive instead of being like, man, I could have made it a 10 if these other things had happened. Right. It's just, and this is just part of my nature. Like I always want to focus on the positive in every area of my life. And I tend to be someone who is attempting to get everyone on the same page to do that all the time anyway, like as a peacemaker, as an Enneagram nine, like it's literally in my DNA to want to put people in these opportunities, but it's okay. If you are naturally this way, part of your mission may be helping others be naturally this way so that you can enjoy more of your own environment because your environment is so impacted by the people around. Yeah. I shared this thing on Instagram the other day. I'm not even going to pretend to know how to pronounce it. It's a German word. It starts with an F, but there is a concept in Germany or for Germans, one version of the word is for the positive and one version is for the negative. And this whole this article was about like this thing, insert German word here, might be the thing your friendships are missing. And it was the concept of usually it's taken in the negative. When you share sorrow and you share hard times, when you talk about that, it is literally like a weight is lifted off of you because you can give that to someone else. Not that you're giving them your sorrow, but just talking about it out loud and having support with someone helps you feel lighter. Well, the same thing is true with joy. When you experience joy and you share joy collectively with other people and celebrate joy, no matter how big or how small, it helps other people recognize and see joy. And so it's this counter effect of positives and negatives, and it's a balance. Well, I shared it because I said, I feel like we all collectively, but my friend group also has been in a season for a couple of years where it's a lot of sorrow. It's a lot of trauma. It's a lot of hard stuff. And sometimes that's just how life is. And I think that sometimes when we're in long-term seasons of sorrow, it's hard to get us back into the joy, into the positive. And so I at least said out loud to where I knew my friends were watching my Instagram and would see this and I wouldn't have to have this like private conversation with them that I said, I am intentionally sinking more joyful conversations with my friends instead of sorrowful conversations. And I'm excited about what that can do for all of us collectively, like seeing and supporting other people helps you also succeed. Yeah. And it's not going to take away the hard stuff. I think it can help you grieve in a better more almost more beautiful way sometimes yeah. because you can because there's always going to be the sorrow but there is also always joy and so finding it and having that balance is what's needed so with all of this in mind i think it's easy to think on the business front that we are just like presented with whatever comes at us is what's going to come at us and we have no control over it and in the same way we can start to see more of the positives in our everyday lives. I do think we have a lot more control of the kinds of projects and client work and all of the things that we attract into our business. And so much of this comes down to your mission, your vision, and your values. And 
when we've talked about this before, I think people can get really hung up on like, okay, I need to make a mission statement. It feels like this really professional act to like go after. And, and in some ways I even see people looking at it as like, oh, my life has to be so purpose driven and I have to tackle this big humanity crisis and like change my life and all of the things. And it's like, okay, wait a second. Your mission statement drives how your business moves forward. And if your goal is to make money, then you need to be driving in the direction that your ideal clients want to go. And I know this sounds a little bit goofy, but you really need to be thinking about the gap in the same way that when you're defining a service that you're like, Ooh, okay. My service, I want to do this thing, this thing, this thing, rather than just like pulling out of your butt, what you think a service should do. You should be looking at what is the problems my ideal clients face? How can I solve them? How can I present my service as the solution to their problems? Well, your mission statement is quite similar but it's more about where they are on a continuum. Okay. So if your ideal client is same, the same, no matter what, no matter what they've accomplished, and you look at their life or career or business or whatever as a journey, then your mission statement is supposed to fill the gap of where they are now and where they want to be. It's not about the service necessarily. It's not about the vehicle on how you get there. Because that can change. <laughs> yeah, that can change all the time. But how are you taking them from point A to point B? How can you focus more on what that journey looks like? And especially early on, I think you can make a mistake of trying to make your mission feels so elusive and like, again, going back to that, like purpose driven, like really kind of fantasized version that you have no concrete way to like put this thing in action. And so if your mission is where they are now and where they want to go and you're filling the gap with it, then your services are in alignment with that mission and they start to see it as the vehicle to get them there. And so I really want you to be thinking about, especially going into this new year, like, do you need to make some adjustments? I don't care if you rewrite the thing. No one says you can't. My goal absolutely would be every time you look at your mission statement and revise that like, it's born out of the same intent, like that would be the goal on as a business owner, you want to kind of keep things in alignment. So it's not about specificity as it is. How can you make this feel a bit more attainable? I saw a great example the other day, someone was posting about, you know, she sees all these great service providers out there saying they want to do this, this, that, and the other, but their service is say 2,500 a month. And she's like, I see this mismatch of people saying, oh, it's going to cost this. And they're aligning it with people that financially can't afford the thing. And so like their ideal client is out of alignment with the price point, which is out of alignment with the mission. And then so 
the messaging is all over the place. They're speaking to one person, but they're trying to close a different person. But the person they're trying to close doesn't even know they exist because they've been talking to the wrong set of people the whole time. And it's like, okay, let's back it up. Like, what are you providing? Okay. And now that you know what you're providing, what solution is that providing? Who is it solving it for? Okay, now that we're looking at that person, what does that person's journey look like? And then how can we align a mission with the middle? Because the middle is where the money is made. My friends, the middle is messy. People want help. And so I think it's such a huge opportunity. And as you start to get more specific, the interesting thing is at Boss Project, our mission has always been with the same intent. It's been reworded, it's been reworked, but it's with the same intent targeting the same person on the same continuum, so to speak. And I think when you have a really clear statement, you know who you're talking to in a much bigger way and your messaging can get so much more specific. Yeah, when you sent me that video a couple weeks ago at this point, that was about like, you know, we've, over the years, we've gotten into this loop of like living these giant purposeful lives. And like, we are told, you know, you're put on this earth for a reason and you're very unique and you need to find your specialty. And then once you find that specialty, you, you then go, you monetize it and you nurture it and then you monetize it. And then you teach other people, like, it's just this whole cycle. Right. And there is something about like, literally you get to also just exist And so your mission does not have to be this literal earth changing philosophy, major like impact thing at all. So let that go, shed that, and it can definitely be more narrow focused. Narrow focused and even more doable. Like if your mission feels achievable, fuck yeah. Great. Great. Well, in in some ways, I think for prospects, that makes you feel more believable, too, because if they think they can do it and they see you as an opportunity to help them do it, like versus having this big philosophical, life changing, purpose driven statement. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, do you have like millions of dollars of funding and a staff? Right, right. Like, girl, how's that going to (laughs) happen? Yeah. Yep. You don't have to like have the same effects as like literal billionaires do because you do not have the same tools and access. And that's okay. That's okay. We were talking, we were doing an interview for someone else's podcast recently, and they asked some form of the question of like, what do you've got planned in the future? What are your goals? What are whatever? And it's just so funny because like we stopped making goals like a long time ago. And I answered the question in the only way that I know how in the sense of like, oh, I mean, like, here's a couple of like checklist items that I'd like to do, but like, I don't care how it actually shapes out or even when it happens. I just know I want to eventually kind of do this and I want to work in this way. And I'd like to kind of create this. And I don't know, it'd be cool to like have this thing or whatever. And it was so funny because she was like, Oh, like yours is very much absolutely how you want to feel like year over year. And I was like, Oh yes, a hundred percent. But that's the thing is like, I think so often we get so tied, especially early on in our careers to thinking we have to check a to do or a task or like a milestone of like, I did this, which means I reached this point and I accomplished this thing. But oftentimes what we're chasing is what we think we will feel like when we get there. 
And so if we can instead identify how we want to feel, we have a much better chance of feeling that way, A, way the fuck more often, and B, being less tied to the end in quote unquote in result and enjoying the journey instead. And so part of this, we've, we've talked about why it's so critical to really understand your values and how you can utilize them to really identify as you grow a team, how you want them to show up and reflect the way you want to be running your business. But the funny thing is, I think some people it's conviction, like they know in their heart of hearts, like, this is my values. This is how I want to show up. This is how I don't want to show up. And they're so clear. And other people, I see them start to do these exercises and their inclination is to make a value that's so in alignment with just how they're going to do their job anyways. And I'm like, no, it's not quite like that. And so I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to work backwards a little bit and help you understand what these look like. Because the cool part is your core values should be how you're showing up anyways. And that you identifying it similar to how we started this is when you're aware of what it is and what you're working towards, then you can be more clear about getting there more often, but also recognizing and like giving yourself props for when you already are there. And so for this exercise, you're just going to need like a pen and paper. You can do it literally in notes on your phone. It doesn't really matter. But I want you to be thinking about five experiences, specifically things that happened that made you happy, made you feel successful, made you feel accomplished, brought you joy, all the positive feelings. Okay. I want you to just first list what the experience was. Like, Did you complete something? Did you accomplish something? Whatever. It can be a giant accolade or a small win. It doesn't matter. Don't judge the experience. That's not the goal here, okay? Now, I want you to specifically identify how did this experience bring you that emotion? How did it create happiness? How did it bring you joy? How did it make you feel successful? An example is maybe you completed a certification. And the reason it brought you that feeling was you felt a sense of accomplishment. You were proud of the obstacles that popped up along the way, but you prioritized it and you made time for it. Um, You had a pride of taking charge of your future and having a vision. And, you know, some people would be like, certification? Like, what? I don't need a certification to be successful. I didn't ask you about somebody else's... (laughs) accomplishments. This is a personal exercise. Okay. So then you want to then identify what is the commonalities of how, okay. I.e. like, what is the thing that is bringing this all together? And the core value should come out of it. And so, you know, I saw a lot of pride in that specific example, but I also see a sense of integrity of like really valuing like where something comes from. And so part of it is a bit challenging, but you take the experience and then you break down the experience of specifically why it made you feel that way. And then if you can come up with like, what is the theme that's thematically coming up with the why or the how, that is the value you want to hold on to. And then once you have the value 
I mean, ultimately, most things in your life and business will often come back to three to five things that you tend to prioritize. Now, you might have other things you also prioritize, but the three to five will always win. Like, you'll find that, okay, yes, this is important to me, but I'm going to prioritize this thing over that. And so if you can hang on to what those values are, then you can start to take the value and go in reverse of like, okay, well, if this is something I value, then how can I show up in that more often? And then what about the way I live or work takes me further away from that? And once you identify those things, I think you'll be surprised, like I said at the beginning, that this is, it's going to help you recognize those moments more often. You're going to be way more aware of when they happen and you're going to choose them more intentionally. Us, as an example, saying life first is a value literally just helps us prioritize living life first all the time. Like if we didn't identify it, then it'd be easy to take the meeting or to work late or to insert all the things that would break that value for us. But like claiming it and then searching for ways to live in it is really helping you be more intentional. All of this is helping you be more intentional. Yeah, 100%. We have a tool inside the Creative Template Shop. It's a visual habit tracker. We have two different versions, depending on how your brain works, or you can use both. One is just like the traditional, you just circle the day that you did the habit, you get to decide what your habit is, and you can circle the day. The other one is that it's like a circle graphic for the month. And so I think you can have like four or five different habits and you just color in like the box. And eventually like the entire circle thing will be full of colorful boxes. Exactly. Exactly. And so pick the one that works for you or do both. I'm currently doing the one where you just circle the day. And because I know myself and I know that if I pick something to try to commit for the entire year, I won't do it. And so I'm picking just 30 days. And if my habits want to stay the same to the next month, I'll just write them in that you know line the next month. If I want to change them, I'll change them. But what's really cool and something that I'm seeing, and I encourage you guys to like, you know, free up this pressure. If, if you're finding yourself already beating yourself up, you know, at this time of year, because you've quote unquote broken some of those habits. I have a couple on my, my habit tracker. So I'll just tell you what mine are. I have three. Mine is I want to have more no spend days. So like less just frivolous spending. I want to write for my book more. And I want to, what was my other one? (laughs) Why am I blanking on it? There's another one that I'm wanting to just be more cognizant of alcohol and I'm trying to do a little bit of a, not like detox, but I'm seeing if it's going to impact like my endo pain and like, see if that's a lever that I can pull for pain management. So I wanted to just visually be able to see what that looks like. Well, I was beating myself up already two weeks into the year because I hadn't yet written for my book yet. Like I hadn't spent a single second of time on it. All the other days it was circle, 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 circle. I had zero circles for January for writing. Well, then one day I woke up early and I was like, I'm going to commit to writing today. I wrote for like three and a half hours. I got so much done. I made so much progress. The next day, I also felt inspired. I made a ton of progress. So I literally only have two circles so far in January for writing, but I made more progress in those two days than I 
probably would have made if I was writing every single day leading up to that. But my, I know, and I know this, I just needed to remind myself of it, that my writing doesn't have to be circled every single day, but I can make great progress when I honor, when I am creative and ready to write and take the time for that. So I can have way less circles colored for that particular activity, but I can make about the same amount of progress, if not more than I would have if I was trying to do it every single day. Yeah. I think for me, I've looked at minutes doing a certain activity in a week or a month instead of trying to do it consistently every single day. I've also looked at streaks in some instances, like one of mine is I want to make the bed more. Uh And so we had a seven day streak and we're, so I was feeling really good about that. Would I love it to be every day for the rest of my life? Sure. But like, that's not the goal and it doesn't really matter. So I think with anything you have to remind yourself of if you want to do or accomplish more things, beating yourself up about it at all is in many ways probably going to prevent you from it being a positive thing. And so like, how can you make it feel rewarding and exciting and fulfilling when it does happen and not like give yourself shit about how often or what your consistency looks like? You know, for me, it's sort of, I go back to the childhood book it club with pizza hut like you know like it can be stupid shit you can put a little reward on the end of a habit if you want to but like there's no right or wrong way to accomplishing something and so figure out what you want it to be anyway all of this to say in the last several years I'd say the looser Emily and I have got about the how and the more respectful we've been of our bodies and our creativity and our mental health, all of it has propelled us moving towards things that we want in a lot of ways, a lot faster than I think either one of us thought we could accomplish something, but it's because we put less rules on it instead of more. And there is so much more intentional seeking of the things we do want, the way we do want to feel, how we do want to show up and bringing that to other people and teaching it to other people, teaching it to people we love and care about. And even asking for things that, you know, they don't owe us things, but you know, I've shut down conversations of like, I don't want to talk about this right now. And it's not because you're trying to hurt someone or like put them down, but you being mindful of what's going on in your head is so huge. Yep. So yep. I'm excited. There's conversations I will not allow in my home. And so if someone starts talking about it, I say, we don't allow those conversations in this house. Yeah. You get to decide what that looks like or what those are. But I'm excited about what it looks like for you to be way more intentional about this in your life and your business moving forward. And if you want those sheets, head to the Creative Template Shop and you can check them out. They were released in January, so make sure you grab those. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics, we make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. 
That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.